0: Okay, so we are getting ready to start chapter 15. We're going to do a quick review and we're going to review from chapter nine um, because we're slowly assimilating all the information and just to give us a little momentum to like head right into this class. Okay, chapter nine, we talked about, we're doing this really quick and brief because we have a lot to discuss today. Chapter nine, we talked about the small city. Okay. Right. Our body is a small city. We have two forces, uh, uh, kings that want to have complete control, right? Not a little bit of control, complete control. And who are these two Kings compared to our two souls, right? Our godly soul and our animal soul. They both want to have complete control over our body. Okay. Chapter 10, we discuss, well, how does this war play out in the Tzaddik? Okay. What does it look like for this war, this, you know, evil inclination and good inclination? How does that look in a tzaddik? In a tzaddik, what does it look like? The tzaddik always wins the war. He, 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 to the point where he banishes the animal soul to the end, to the point where it depends if you are a complete tzaddik or incomplete tzaddik, an incomplete tzaddik, the animal soul is like irrelevant, it doesn't have any power at all. But in the complete tzaddik, the animal soul is transformed into a second godly soul. So he has extra power. Okay, and then we talked about, well, how does this war play out in the Russia? A chapter 11, right? So the Russia we learned doesn't mean evil. What is the definition of Russia? Definition of Russia is somebody who doesn't have complete behavioral control, okay? Where does majority of humans, which category do they fall in? The majority of the human race falls into the category of Russia, a species that is struggling, that can sometimes have behavioral control, but not all the time. What is our goal? Where are we working towards? We're working towards the Banani. A Banani has complete behavioral control, but does he have perfect insights? No. Right, because that would make him a tzaddik. So the war plays out in the Russia, good days and bad days. Right, sometimes the godly soul is on top, and sometimes he's not. Okay, chapter twelve, we were introduced to the Bainani. The Bainani is this intermediate person, but we learned that it's not really about being intermediate. It's just he has perfect outsides, but not perfect insides, which means his actions are perfect. So he will never do something that is not godly or, or spirit, like godly oriented. He's always going to have those kinds of actions, but inside it's a struggle. He has, it's, it's like, it's, he has to work really, really hard to be able to have those perfect actions. It's a constant effort. It's not like he can sit back with his hands folded and be like, I got this. Right, it's a constant effort. Okay, um, chapter thirteen and fourteen, we learn more about the Bainani. We—that's what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. We got our first um, tool. You guys remember what our first tool was? Our first tool was impulse control. Moach <mawakh> shalat al halav. Our mind rules our heart. Okay, so we have the power to control our thought, our speech, and our action. Is this something that we have to create or is it something that we're born with? We are born with the ability for impulse control. Remember the story we told about the lady in the parking lot and the shopping and her son having a tantrum, right? She was able to turn on and off in an instant, whether she scolded him or not in connection to how she, you know, how she felt comfortable. If she was being watched, she stopped. If she thought she was in private, she continued. Right, Because we have the ability to control our behaviors. It comes naturally born in us. The only thing we have to do is we have to use it. And not only do we have to use it, we have to use it in in spiritual situations as well. Impulse control makes a lot of sense for us when we control our behavior. Per situation, right? We did, we behave differently per situation. So that makes sense. So we just need to apply impulse control to our spiritual behavior. Okay. And just because we feel like doing something doesn't mean we should. Just because something is hard for us and we don't want to do it doesn't mean we shouldn't. Right. You're with me? Okay. So now, chapter 15. We are, this is the last chapter, we're actually gonna be going into the characteristics and the makeup of an an actual Beinani. And then we're gonna move on to more tools. We're gonna get a lot more tools to help us on this journey. So just like Tzadik had two levels and a Russia had uh, two main levels, obviously there's myriads of levels within a Russia, but we had an incomplete Russia and a complete Russia. Who remembers the difference between those two? An incomplete Russia, Um, doesn't have complete behavioral control, but he's constantly in this cycle of of kind of, I don't want to use the word sin, but like transgress, repent, repeat, right? That's kind of the pattern. Uh, Complete Russia is someone who doesn't have remorse. So he sins and he has zero remorse or regret. Are there people like this in the world? Very, very, very few. There's very, very few Tzadikim. And there's very, very, very few complete Russia. We mostly fall into this main category where we're up and down and up and down and we're working towards a goal. Okay. So just like Tzadik and Russia had two categories or levels, so does the bainani. The bainanis are a little bit different and that's what we're going to learn today. What are the two types of bainani? Okay. So this is how, this happens to be one of my favorite chapters so far. Um, There's a phrase that says, I have seen those that have served Hashem and those who don't, okay? This is in connection to the Benani. There's those that, are, that serve Hashem and those who don't. Okay, like what does this mean? What are we trying to say here? So what we're trying to say is first of all, let's translate the word service. What does service mean? Service means effort. Okay. The definition for service is effort, not results. Okay. So let's go back to that phrase. I have seen those who serve Hashem and those who don't, there are those that put a lot of effort into serving Hashem. And there are those who don't, what does it mean? Those who don't, if we're talking about a he's obviously acting godly, right? All his actions are godly. So what does it mean? He's not serving Hashem. What we're coming to say is that there's a type of Bainani that is a Bainani by default. What does that mean? It means that, you know, we all know there are, I mean, there. it's not common, but we all know a type of person who's more mild-mannered, who doesn't have huge passions and vices, and it's a little bit easier for them to serve God. Like, they're naturally good. They're naturally, I, I mean good in connection to what but in connection to the service of god they're not they 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 tend to naturally want to serve god and they don't have a lot of temptations okay i don't i can't relate to this person but there are people like that and the people who are like that it is way easier for them to be this baby it's way easier for them to have perfect actions because their animal soul it's there their animal soul is not like a tzaddik; it's not dormant, but it's not so pushy, right? It's not a pushy animal soul. It's kind of like, yeah, serve God, don't serve God. I, I don't really I don't really have a lot of desires. I'm okay, right? So this person that's a Bainani, he is, has perfect actions, but is he serving God? He's not. Why? Why is he not serving God? Because Service equals effort. Okay. And he's not putting in effort. He's on autopilot. Okay. And that's something that we all can relate to. If you were born religious, if you were born practicing the Torah, there are so many things that we do by rote. We're not thinking about it. We wake up in the morning you know we say modani or we're eat or we eat kosher or we light shabbos candles not because we're super passionate about it and not because we have you know this we're, we're have this huge you know passion and we're fighting and, and our insides are like it's because we're used to doing it right we're we're born doing it so we're doing it right Hi. So oh that is I'm not listening necess- to tanya Oh, so you wanted to Right, let me, there's someone who's not muted. Okay, perfect. So there's, there's not, there's not, it's not that he's not doing the mitzvahs. It's not that he's not connecting to Hashem. When you do mitzvahs, whether you are, whether, whatever your intention is or not, you're automatically connecting to Hashem when you do a mitzvah, hands down. We're not saying that he's not godly. We're not saying this person isn't connecting to Hashem. What we're saying is that he's missing the service. He's missing the effort. It's too comfortable. Okay? So the that, um that is kind of a benini by default, he's not working hard. It's, you can't compare the baini by default and the baini who's, who's in constant struggle. It's not the same kind of service. Okay? So what what are we saying here? This is a huge... It's a huge like light bulb moment. Why, why? Because what we're saying here is that we're not focused on the end results. Of course we wanna end up with actions that are godly but that's not the most important thing. It's not the only thing. The actions are not the only thing. It's really about the process and the struggle. And I feel like that's so powerful because sometimes we get caught up on the end results and we forget that the real the real power is in the journey the real power is how we are actually getting to the end results okay we can't forget about that and so this chapter happens to be one of my favorites because it's so powerful it's so like almost validating in the fact that yeah we have a goal but it's not only about the goal it's about um the journey and the effort and the struggle that we're putting into our service of God okay so it's a, the difference between an eved and an ovade okay an eved means what does an eved mean an eved means servant it's a noun it's who you are right what's an ovade an ovade is a person who serves it's a, it's a verb okay so what who would be an eved a tzaddik is an evet, right? Why? Because his existence, who he is, is in service of God. He doesn't have a separate existence from his service. So, who he is, is his service. A bainani or a, a rasha baini is an ovet. It's a person who is serving. He's, he's actively serving God. He actively has to put in the effort to serve God, okay? So an ovate is not who I am, but it's what I'm doing. It's, it's making the effort, right? It's the service that makes him the bainany, okay? But with a that, um that is comfortable, he's not serving. Okay, and so you might ask like, um, okay, before we ask that question, it's gonna come up in a minute, but why, there's two reasons how does it how does it come to be that there's a bainani that's not serving? Right? Like how what scenarios creates this type of bainani? So there's two kind of two reasons how this happens. How a bainani can be a bainani but not be actually actively serving Hashem. One is he's born that way. We said that a tzaddik in order to be at Sadik, he really has to kind of be born with that special soul that has the capability of being at Sadiq. Well, for this Benini, it's not that he's actually born uh, in actual bani, but he's born with this type of soul that makes it very easy for him to have this kind of godly relationship. Okay. So it's not anything that he actually has done. It's, it's how he was, it's his makeup. It's how he was created. Okay. Um, kind of like, I don't know, going back to like third grade, like one of the goody goodies in the classroom, right? Like it's their nature. It's their nature to be inclined to to connect and to serve and to not fight against, you know, things that are easier, like not to fight against holiness or fight against the right thing to do. It's easy for them to do the right thing, right? Some people, it's very hard to do the right thing. And some people it's easier to do the right thing, right? So he doesn't have, like we said before, he doesn't have a lot of passions or, or um, he doesn't have to suppress himself as much because it's it, who he is, is kind of naturally that way. Okay. The second way that you have this kind of banny is that um, it's the, what we talked about before, it kind of became habit right? He has these certain behaviors. It became a habit for him. He's on autopilot. He was raised that way. And it's second nature. Okay. He's not thinking about what he's doing. It's just like, this is how he, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what, this is how he grew up. And it's, it's second nature. And I think we all can relate to that because like for myself, I'm the furthest, furthest thing from a Benini, but there are certain things in my godly relationship that are on autopilot, right? So I can relate to this fact that like, whoa, like I need to be more present and I need to be more conscious of my service of God because the certain things that I am doing not, are not necessarily out of the great passion and great, like, desire to do God's will. It's more like, Oh, I was, I was raised that way. So of course this is what we do. Right. And so it didn't reach for me. It didn't reach the level. I'm not like the level of vanity where all my actions are godly and they're all autopilot. Right. Thank God. I still have a lot of things I need to actively work on. Right. And that's what we're saying here is that you might think, Oh, lucky you to the person who, who doesn't have to work that hard right? But the Tanya takes that comfort away and it says, no, 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 no. You think you're comfortable and you're, this is easy for you. Get uncomfortable. You now, the Bainini's job, this comfortable Bainini's job is to now push himself to a state where he's uncomfortable. And that's where his service of God is going to start because service does not happen without effort. Okay. So, um, so what you might ask, what's the real difference between a Bainani and an incomplete Sadiq, a Bainani without effort, right? Because an incomplete sadhik, his animal soul is dormant. It's not bothering him. And a Bainani that doesn't have a lot of effort, it seems kind of like his animal soul is also dormant. It's not really bothering him. Right. So the difference is, is that the Tzaddik, the incomplete Tzaddik, has completely neutralized his animal soul and it's out of the picture. The Bainanese animal soul is very much alive. It's there. It's just low key and easy going and it doesn't bother you that much. Okay, And um, so that's the subtle difference is that on the outside, there's no difference right? On the outside, the actions are perfect. The actions are perfect. On the inside, the difference is that the, the Russia that is incomplete, it really has a neutralized animal soul. It's non-existent. With the banany, it's there. It's just, it doesn't bother him that much. Like it's really alive. It's just happens to be a personality that's easygoing. He's not, he's not pushing you too hard. He doesn't want, he doesn't have a lot of wants and desires that are super physical and super mundane that your godly soul has to fight against. Does that make sense? Do you understand the the difference between those two? Um, Okay, any questions so far? I'm gonna pause maybe if you have any questions you can put in the chat box, unmute yourself if you have Um, any questions. Okay, so we said, sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, we wish it was easier. Like I just had this thought today. I'm like, wouldn't it be nice if not everything was so hard? Wouldn't it be nice if just something came easy and not everything was such a struggle and it wasn't so hard? And the Tanya says, well, not really, not really. You know why? Because when things are easy for you, you're not in service. Okay. And Now it's actually kind of sad for this bananee who thinks he's comfortable. He's serving God. I don't have to work so hard. But now the tiny says, no, because just because you're a bananee and your actions are perfect, you're not in service because you were not struggling. You're, you don't, you're not putting in the effort. I don't know if you remember, I think the class before Pesach, we talked about how the service is in the struggle, the struggle itself is your actual service of God. So when we're actually in the struggle, that's when we're connecting to God in the most profound way. So now this vanity has to figure out, well, how am I going to have service? So it's like the Gemara says, you know, it's actually, I'm sure we've all heard of it, is that when we learn something a hundred times, it's not considered learning, right? Because back then that was very, very commonplace. Nowadays, it's like, who has patients even learned something once? But back then, 100 times, it was normal. Like, that wasn't even considered learning. But 101 times was considered above and beyond. And it was equal to all the other 100 times. Why? Because once you go past your comfort zone, that's where it's at. So the one time you go past your comfort zone is equal to all the other times put together. There's another example in the government that talks about um, uh, donkey rides. Like back then they would use donkeys as like Ubers, right? Like you would pay for a donkey to take you from point A to point B. And it says that the rate of a donkey would be 10 parsas. I don't know exactly how these measurements work out in like English, but you'll get the picture. It's 10 parsas for one zoos. Parsa is a distance measurement and one zoos is a monetary measurement. So to go 10 parsas, you would p- spend one What happens if you would go 11 parsas? It was two Double to go one extra parsa, one extra mile, let's say, right? Why? Because the donkey's conditioned to go 10. 10 for one The moment you have to push the donkey further than its comfort zone, it's worth double the amount. Okay. So what we are saying here is that the second you go beyond your comfort zone, the second you push yourself out of the norm, the second you learn something 101 times instead of a hundred times, that's worth double because that's where the effort is for the donkey to go 10 miles. It's not an effort. He's used to that. So what, you know, what's the, you don't get any much credit for that. You're doing your job. Like it, you're used to that. You go 11 miles. Now the donkey is going to be exhausted. He has to put in so much effort. It's not what he's used to. Same thing for us. We learn something a hundred, like put yourself back in the times of the Gemara. You learn something for a hundred times. That's normal. In order to um, consider you were learning, it would be a hundred times. You do it hundred and one times. Now that's effort. That takes a push. That takes your brain and your mind to be like, oh my gosh, I have to push really hard to do this. This is one more time. So that's what we're saying here. Like the bani, yeah, you're doing all the actions perfectly, but where's the effort? Where are you, where's the struggle? Where are you going out of your comfort zone? Okay. And that is where it's at. So um, what what does this Bainini have to do? to feel the burn, right? Oh, my favorite example, I don't even know why I forgot to say it. My favorite example is like going to the gym, right? Like if you can do 10 reps with your weights, without the burn, you have to raise the weight. You're not doing anything. If you don't feel the burn, you're not doing anything. No pain, no gain, right? Like, so like that it's the same thing. You have to feel the burn or you're not growing. Okay, do you wanna grow in your, in your fitness capabilities? If you wanna grow, if you wanna get stronger, if you wanna have more stamina, you gotta feel the burn, right? So same, same thing with your spiritual journey. If you're not feeling the burn, if you're not feeling the push and the uncomfortableness, that's a word, um, then you're not growing in your journey. You're not, you're not in effort, you're not in service, okay? so um it's a little funny though because what we're saying here is that like we all know this phrase, like if it ain't broke don't fix it so we're saying we have this bainany here who has perfect actions which obviously means he's a godly person right he's doing good he he's he's connected to God. He's, he's, he's godly. His actions are godly. And we're saying, uh, no, not good enough because you're not struggling. And what's going to happen? You're going to put this person in stress and he's going gonna to have anxiety. And maybe he's even going to have anger because now he's not comfortable anymore. And then his whole service of God is in jeopardy. How does that make sense? Right? Like, are we really saying this? Are we really saying like to this perfect so this person who has perfect actions, like, nope, sorry, you're it's you're not in service of God because you're not struggling. So now put your godly spiritual life, now put it in jeopardy and make yourself uncomfortable. Because that's a little odd, right? Um, but we're going to answer the question in a few minutes. We're first going to go back. We're going to go and talk about some other things. And then we're going to answer the question. So first, um, In the last couple chapters, when we were discussing the Bainini and we were discussing techniques and methods, right? We, we only get, we only got so far one technique and one method. And what was that? Impulse control. And that's a method that we actually have within us. It's not even something that we're creating. Okay. So, um, Tanya is so fascinating because when you, when you, when you learn Tanya as a practical guide, you notice that the way Tanya is laid out is in, is in um, like the steps of progression of what, how we're doing, right? So we're, if you learn Tanya, not just as concepts, like we're, we're not learning Tanya as this oh, let's gain some Hasidic concepts so we can be more intellectual. That's not why we're here. We're here to learn Tanya as a practical guide for our life. So here we are. We have, we've gone through, we we know how our body works. We know how our soul works. We know how the world works, right? We know that there's things in the world that we have to leave alone, that we can't elevate. We know most of the world we can elevate, right? We, we know we have more knowledge of the inner workings and the makeup of ourselves, the world, right? So we got through that. Now we understand the different types of people, right? And now we're understanding that the Bainani Be- the is the type of person that we're striving towards, right? And we got one method on how to get there, right? So now we say, okay, we are at the point where we know that to get to a beta, we have to exercise impulse control 100% of the time. Okay. Let's say we're there, right? Let's say, like, that, and so the time is actually, you know, thinks very highly of us. And they think as we learn this, we're, we're actually achieving these goals, right? Um, and we are on a small level. But let's say we are actually at the point where we've achieved perfect behavioral control. We use our tool of impulse control. And now anything that comes out of us is godly. Okay. Imagine, visualize that we're there. Okay. Now, how are you feeling? Okay. Be very, very honest. If you are, if the only tool you have to get to perfect behavioral control is repression, what's impulse control? Impulse control is repression right? You're repressing something inside of you to achieve something else. So if that's your only tool, how are, how do you think you're feeling inside? Whatever comes to mind, there's no wrong answers. Okay. So let's take away the fact that we're probably feeling pretty proud of ourselves, right? Because we're doing, we're having this huge accomplishment and that is important. We should be feeling proud of ourselves. But underneath that, how else do you think we're feeling? I can tell you how I would feel if the only tool I had was impulse control, I would feel repressed, right? Because if the, frustrated, yes. If the only tool you have is repression, which means that you constantly have to hold yourself back from doing the things you want to do. It's like white knuckling something, right? It's like you're holding on so tight. That is exhausting. It's frustrating and it's not sustainable to do long-term. Right? You're with me? So self-repression is an extremely important tool and it's the tool we have to start with because you can't like have you can't work on your emotions before you work on your actions that's like that's like the the thing we spoke about last week the the experiment we did right with the eating the cilantro it's easier just to eat it than to change how you feel about it right so we first have to change our actions repression has to come first but if I shudder to think if that's the only tool that Tanya would leave us with. Can you imagine if Tanya ended right now? It could. By the way, Tanya could end right now and say, by the way, the way you get to become a baby is impulse control. 100% of the time, perfect impulse control, which will result with perfect actions, and it will work. But could you imagine if that's what we were left with, that the only tool we have is, is, is repression? We're not going to be very happy people. Okay. We're going to be a pretty frustrated and stuck people. We're going to have perfect actions, but we're not going to be happy about it. Okay. And that's also not the way we want to serve God. Okay. So we, I don't want you to, I don't want you to think that this tool isn't important. I want you to, I want you to go. This is a foundational tool. It's the tool that has to come first. You must have it. You must use it. You must employ it. But you, it can't stop there. Okay, it can't stop with just perfect behavioral control and perfect actions because then we're it's it's not sustainable. The second we let go, right? We're white knuckling, right? So the second we let go, we're we fall to the to the depths. That's not a way to live, right? So what happens? We're gonna do a little foreshadowing. The next couple chapters are going to be giving us some more tools. What are the more tools that we're gonna be What's, what are we going uh, to be addressing with these tools? We don't have to address our actions anymore. Those are covered. We're going to be addressing our emotions, okay? Now, we are not going to ever reach perfect emotional a perfect emotional state because that would mean we're a tzaddik. Is it tzaddik on our path? No, don't get distracted by being a tzaddik. But it doesn't mean we don't try. And it doesn't mean we slowly have times where our emotions are actually matching with our actions and those times are what's going to keep us alive when we can do something for God and we feel good about it and our emotions are completely aligned with our actions now that now that is how do we feel about that that's a completely different feeling how do we get our emotions to align with our actions Okay, that's what we're gonna be discussing in the next couple chapters. And we kind of foreshadow it at the end of chapter 15. Okay, so basically we need other tools. We need more tools. Okay, impulse control is not enough tools because you know why? Back to being the comfortable Bainani, right? Like if we were to stop at impulse control, what are we saying? We're saying, okay, God, you got my actions, that's it. You don't deserve any more. It's like a husband and wife relationship like I'll do what you want, but I really don't agree with you. And you're not going to get my any I'm not going to invest any of my emotions in in this relationship because that's just too hard. I'll do what you want, right? Is that the kind of relationship we want with God? We want to have a we want our relationship to, with God to be building a loving reciprocal relationship. So that takes us getting out of our comfort zone and actually not only giving him our actions, but giving him a little piece of our emotions itself. Now we're, it doesn't have to be perfect, but we want to try, right? We want to try and say, you know what, God, you're everything. I'm here in this world to connect to you. So I'm not going to stop at only my actions and, hate what I'm doing, but do the right thing anyway. That's not enough, right? That's not, that's not the kind of relationship we want with God, right? So, um, back to the comfortable it's considered service as opposed to automatic mitzvahs. If one of these two things are happening. Okay. So you could do any of these two things, and that is taking yourself out of your comfort zone, and that is considered service. The first thing is you're gonna to have to meditate, okay? You're gonna to have to meditate on something that can produce emotions that will motivate you to create certain actions. I'm gonna say that again, because that's a lot of pieces of that sentence, okay? You're going to, you, you have to meditate to produce emotions that will motivate you to action. Okay. If you're not doing that, it's habit. If your emotions are not being employed to produce certain actions, your, your, your actions could be perfect, but they're out of habit. Okay. B. B. It's very, very, very hard to produce new emotions. We proved that last week. To create a new emotion is extremely difficult. So we have another option. At the very least, you could generate emotions that are already within you that are just latent. You just—they they need to be revealed. That are already in your soul. We all have um, emotions that we have that are that come with our soul, and we just—they're just dormant. We have to reveal them. Okay. So that's option B. So either both of these things are going to happen sort of through meditation, and we're going to learn some other tools as well. But either you're meditating and creating new emotions that generate godly actions, or you're uncovering dormant emotions that we already have within our soul, but we're just not tapped into. Okay. In chapters 18 through 25, we're going to learn about the emotions that are already within us that we can actually activate in an instant. Okay, and um, 16 and 17 is going to talk about meditating to create emotions briefly. Then later in the Tanya, we're going to go back to understanding and figuring out how what are we actually thinking about to create these emotions. But remember, Tanya is on a step-by-step process. It's giving us what we can handle in the moment. So right now, we have the tool of impulse control. At the end of chapter 15, it's going to tell us, OK, impulse control is not enough. It's not enough because we don't want to white knuckle through our life, right? So now, the next 10 chapters is going to teach us how to either create new emotions or to uncover emotions that we that already exist, OK? We don't know how to do it yet. so. You should not be walking away from this class understanding how to do this, okay? So don't think, oh my gosh, like I just learned that we have to do, I don't know how to do this. We didn't learn it yet. We're not there yet. We just know that this is in down. It's coming down the pike. We're understanding that the next step that we want to um, employ in our service of God is we want to get our emotions a little bit involved, okay? We're, we've got our actions covered. We know how to get our actions on par. And it really can happen in an instant. Whether we choose to or not is in our control. But we know how to do it. And we know that it's accessible to every single person. Impulse control is accessible, okay? So now we need—we want our emotions to be on board at least some of the time. Some of the time we want to feel good about what we're doing, right? Okay, so um, all of this is going to help us get to a place where our insides are somewhat congruent with our outsides, okay? Which is also gonna help the bany reach, like reach new challenges, right? Because the bandy who's comfortable, we're pushing him, remember? We're pushing this bany who thinks he's got it made because it's not hard for him. We're like, uh, no, 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 no. We're not pushing you because the service is in the effort. If you walk away with one thing from today, I want it to be that the service is in the effort. If we're not struggling, if it's not hard, if we're not uncomfortable, we're not working hard enough. We're not getting enough effort, right? And some and some of it, I don't know, at certain times I'm like, come on already. Like, why do we always have to be struggling? But if you, if you, if you um, if you connect it to the like this is why the gym um, analogy works so well for me is because it's the same thing. Why would you even go to the gym? If you're not going to work hard, like, why would you go to the gym? If you're not going to push yourself to being uncomfortable, then don't go to the gym. Right? So it's the same thing with our service of God. Why is it so hard for people to like wrap their brains around the fact that, you know, service of God is hard. It's not always supposed to be fun. It's not always supposed to be easy. Like if you want results, it's hard, it's painful. It takes a lot of effort, it's uncomfortable. Okay, so that's, I think, so helpful to think about. Like, when we want results, when we want something good to happen, we don't expect it to happen easily without pain. And I think so many of us feel like our service of God should be easy. It should feel good all the time. We talk about this, we spoke about this, I think, I don't know, like maybe chapter one. Judaism is not a feel good religion. Okay, you're not always gonna feel good. It's not always gonna feel right. It's not always gonna feel authentic to who you want, who you are and what you want. It's not what this is about. Right? This is about pushing yourself past your boundaries, past your uncomfortabilities to connect to God. Okay, one second. I think there's a chat. Hold on, I'm gonna open this. Yes, so. Working with teens, one of the, one of the mottos is that the hardest things in life are often the most meaningful. Absolutely. I tell this to me all the time. I always, I tend to like do crazy things. Um, and then I'm like, why did I do that? And then I always tell myself, I'm like, if it's not hard, basically anything that's hard, like once I tell myself, Oh, this is hard. This is challenging. I'm a little nervous. then I'm like, Oh, this is what I need to be doing. Right. The thing that challenges you, the thing that scares you but also excites you, right? You don't want to feel miserable. The thing that scares you, but also excites you, but also is like a little like, ooh, what is this gonna be? Like that's where it's at, right? And that's where it's at in your Judaism too. And it's different for all of us, right? That's a, that's a different place for that. That doesn't that is not a one size fits all, okay? The place in your in your service of God, the place in your relationship, in your your in your spiritual path. That place, that sweet spot where it's like, ooh, like, this is really scary. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I should push myself, but maybe I want to. Like, that's where it's at, right? Go there. Like, that's where you want to be. Okay. So remember, even though we will never be a tzaddik, okay, that's not our path. It's still important to work on our emotional connection to God. Okay. Because like we said before, we we're not stingy with our relationship. We're not saying, God, you only get my actions and you don't get any of my emotions. That's not a healthy relationship. We wouldn't have that relationship with our friends. We wouldn't have that relationship with our children. We wouldn't have that relationship with our spouse. I hate you, but I'll do it anyway. Or, um, I don't, I don't, I don't even, bother. I'm not even bothering to understand where you're coming from, right? That's not a healthy relationship. And God is our ultimate relationship. And we want a relationship that fosters that love, that growth, that connection. So even though sometimes we're like, hey, God, I really don't see eye to eye on this with you. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand it, so, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's one level. The, the next level is, I'm gonna to try to understand wh- why this is, where you're coming from. I'm gonna to try to understand why this is good. I'm gonna to try to understand why, you know, this is part of our journey, not just give up and be like, whatever, I'll do it anyway. Right? White knuckling something is like, whatever. I'm gonna light Shabbos candles because you told me to, but I don't really understand it and I don't really care. I'm just gonna do it anyway. It's still, you're still lighting Shabbos candles. I'm not gonna take that away. That's still a pot. You're still choosing to do something positive instead of something negative. That's something to be happy about and celebrate, but it's not the ultimate. It's not the way we want to have our relationship. It's not the way that is sustainable because you know what happens? I always, you know, I, I always say like, it's so important in your relationship with Hashem to like two things up not bite off more than you can chew. And also baby steps, baby steps that challenge us. But if you, if you all of a sudden are doing everything and without just because you think you have to, and it's overwhelming and you're just going to do it and, or, or you're so spiritually inspired and you're just going to do everything all at once. Is that sustainable? It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Also serving God because of an emotional high is not sustainable. That's another thing that we're going to learn later in the Tanya. If our relationship with God comes from our intellect and we generate these emotions, that's sustainable. Because when you generate it and it comes from inside of you, that's something that's sustainable doing something. Cause you're on a spiritual high will work for an hour. It's not going to sustain you. That's why our intellect needs to be behind our emotions because those are emotions that are sustainable. Okay. So, um, We talked a lot. We have to finish up in a few minutes. I don't want to go over time, but we talked a lot about emotion. What's the definition of an emotion? Well, how are we defined as we're talking about emotions? Like, what are we even talking about? What's the definition of emotion? Let's get that really clear so we know what we're even dealing with, okay? So contrast to a behavior. A behavior is non-essential to you, right? You can, it's something outside of you. So you can do it. You can stop doing it. You do it sometimes you don't do it all times it's it's an it's an outward expression and it's not essential to who you are an emotion is closer to who you are okay It's, it's really pretty close to you being you so if you want to know who i am don't look at what i do right ask how i feel right that's more it's closer to the identity because like we always said, we can do something that's completely not congruent with who we are, right? And that's in the negative and the positive. You know how like I've done this before, like I acted so out of character, like I'm embarrassed, right? I'm like, how did I do that? Doesn't, my action doesn't make me who I am. It's an expression of an emotion that I had in the moment, right? So, so behaviors are not essential to you. They're not who you are. Emotions are way more closer to your identity. Okay. So, um, the emotions are the force behind the behavior a lot of the time. Okay. Now, remember what we spoke about in chapter three, if you want to really get to who you are, what's behind that, what's behind the emotion. We just said the intellect, right? So if you really want to know, um, who somebody is, you, um, you ask them what their world view, what's their worldview, right? How do they view the world? That is their, that's who they are. Right. And then your, your intellect, your worldview then affects your emotions, which then affects your behavior. Okay. So the deepest part of you is actually your intellect. Your intellect generate your emotions, which then generate the behaviors, okay? So um, when, this is also one of my favorite, like, little things to keep in mind. When your behaviors and emotions are are aligned, okay, when your behaviors and your emotions are aligned, then what I do is in line with who I am okay psychology 101 right when your behaviors and emotions are aligned then who then what you do and who you are are aligned what is that what does that equal integrity integrity is a little bit different than honesty integrity is your everything you're integrated everything is aligned that's integrity right so it's very very hard to constantly be aligned and act with integrity it's very very hard for our behaviors and our emotions to constantly align especially in a godly way right it's never going to be perfect because we're not going to be at tzadikim but what we're saying the more effort we put into aligning our emotions with our behaviors the easier it is to be because we're living with integrity okay so we are now ready for some more tools. We're, we're ready. We need more tools because we now know how to have behavioral control. But now we want to we be as emotionally and behaviorally as aligned as possible. So how do we do that? That's what we're going to start with the next chapter is how do we get our emotions to be more aligned with our perfect behaviors? And remember, we're, this is all makes sense in the, in the secular physical world. It also all makes sense in the spiritual. So all these techniques that we can use for our regular day-to-day behaviors, we are applying to our spiritual behaviors. Okay, it's the same. It's the same. So when we have our behaviors aligning with God spiritually, we want our emotions to be along for the ride too. Because yes, we can do it the other way because yes, in the end, the action is the end result. But what kind of life is that to live with only repression. Repression is important, but nobody wants to live only being repressed. Okay. So whether you're a struggling Bainini or a comfortable Bainini, you need to be in service. Okay. And you need to push, you need to push the envelope. So we're ready now to focus on some emotional growth because that's where the push is going to be. Okay. Um, there's one more thing that I wanted to tell you that I think I forgot. Okay. I don't know. I think I covered it all, but I I might have forgotten something and I'll, I'll share it next week. Um, okay. Any questions before we do our meditation? No, we're good? Okay, so take a deep breath. I got. I lost some of you guys. I hope I didn't say something that kicked people off. Um, okay, take a deep breath. In through your mouth, out, in through your nose, out through your mouth. Close your eyes when you're ready. I want you to focus on your breath in its natural state. So if your breath is like shallow, just go with it. Don't try to change it. If your breath is deep, go with that. But Just lean into it. I want you to visualize We've done this before, like a light coming into your body and melting any tension that you might have stuck there. And we all hold our tension in different places. So observe where you're holding your tension and like visualize it just melting away. How do you feel? Observe you feel, do you feel lighter? Do you feel calmer? Looser? Did nothing change at all? We're not gonna bring our attention to some of the thoughts we want to go home with. Behaving perfectly doesn't necessarily mean that you are serving God. Service equals effort. If you're not wrestling with your darker side, you are not serving, period. doing more than you're comfortable with or accustomed to is a form of service because that automatically requires effort. Ideal service doesn't mean being a Tzaddik. It means struggling to be the best person you can be. When our behaviors and emotions are aligned, what I do is in line with who I am. And again, service equals effort. It's all When you're struggling, you are serving. Sit with those thoughts for a minute or two. How do you you feel about those thoughts? Do you have a physical sensation when you think about those things? An emotional sensation? Bring your attention back to your breath, in through your nose, out through your mouth. Become a little bit more aware of your surroundings, sights, I mean, not sights, but smells, feelings, And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. Okay. How are we feeling? Any questions after meditation? We're good? Okay. All right. Lots to think about. Um, We will be here next week. And we're moving on, we now, we now have a very good picture of what a Bainanese makeup is, different types of Bainanese, um, what the Bainanese goal is. And now we're moving on to um, getting some more tools on how to get our emotions matching with our actions. Okay, um, thank you guys so much. Thank you for being here. And we'll see you next week. Have an awesome day. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. You're so welcome. That was awesome. Oh, good. I'm so happy.